if you think you could do this marathon and whatever that marathon means to you, either A, overnight or B, by yourself, you are without question, and this is not an insult to your talent, to your intelligence, to your perseverance, you are inevitably setting yourself up for failure. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What is up, my friends? Welcome to The Gently Mad, episode 37. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening, as always. I want to kick it off today by saying thanks to those of you who have been donating by going to avclark.com support. You can kick in a few bucks uh, or you can do a recurring monthly donation. And uh, the number of you who have been doing that has been increasing and it just really means a lot to me. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my, my heart. Seriously, thank you for doing that. That uh, it just... It's a great validator, and it really helps me feel like um, this is this is helpful to those of you. And even if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to actually spend money, I get that. You know, I'm kind of broke, too, so I understand how hard that is. But just even the emails that you guys send really help me get through the difficult times when I'm wondering whether or not this is valuable to anyone whether or not I should keep doing it. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for listening and subscribing and telling your friends and leaving reviews. I wanted to highlight one review this week from a friend of mine named uh, Eric Beatty. And he left a review that said, take a listen and it'll only take a minute and you will be addicted. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, business, or anything in the realm of career, you'll love this show. Thanks, Eric. I really do appreciate that. And I hope it goes even beyond that a little bit, beyond career and business and entrepreneurship to stuff like life and what it means to lead a meaningful life. I mean, honestly, that's what this whole show comes down to. If you've noticed, if you haven't noticed by now, I should say, um, I rarely talk to people about what they're known for, famous for. I really want to talk to people who are successful in whatever it is they're doing and find out if it has been what they expected, if it's been meaningful, if it's been satisfying, if it's brought some sort of meaning to their life, because those are the things I'm searching for and the various things that I'm doing. In fact, last episode, episode 36, I decided to uh, have my wife on the show is kind of just a experiment. I was really nervous because I was afraid, you know, she knows me better than anyone else and she's going to reveal all these crazy things about me that I probably don't want the world knowing. And she did reveal some of them. 
But that's okay. You know, that's the whole point of this, is to reveal the sometimes uncomfortable truth behind what it's really like to be an entrepreneur and to try to run your own business and make your own thing and create this kind of lifestyle that so many people on the internet sell as an easier, quick thing to do. You know, three steps to this or 12 steps to that. And I don't know. I have, I, I struggle with it. I feel like a lot of it's bullshit. And, you know, today's guest, Josh Shipp, you know, he challenged me a little bit on that. And I, I, I realize that tactics are important. Tac- there are a place for tactics. You know, I mean, you got to have both is the thing. And Josh and I talked about that. You know, I'm more focused on the heart and the intention and all that kind of stuff. But tactics play a role, too. And I feel like I might be at a position with a show and with the various businesses I'm operating that, you know, I'm in need of some tactical help. So, you know, I feel like I've been too hard on eschewing any sense of tactics or helpful tips because those things do have a place. And speaking of Josh, uh, Josh Shipp is the guest on the show today. And I didn't really know anything about Josh before we did this conversation, but man, what a great one it was. Seriously, this is probably one of my favorite conversations that I've done lately. Josh is an incredible guy. Absolutely incredible. I mean, like he's done so many things. He He's just, he's a published author. He's been a public speaker since he was 17. He toured with Bill Cosby when he was a kid. He's been on MTV. He has his own show produced by Oprah's executive producer that's on A&E and the Lifetime channel. I mean, I mean, just unbelievable amount of accomplishments. But I got talking to him and it was just... I was very encouraged as much as I hate to, uh, you know, say I was inspired quote or try to inspire you. I couldn't really help but be inspired by this conversation because Josh is just a down to earth, real guy. And I loved talking to him and having him on the show. Ironically, today is the last day that Fizzle is sponsoring this episode. And I found out about Josh through Fizzle because inside of Fizzle, they have what they call founder stories, where they have these long, you know, usually 90 to 120 minute conversations with people like Leo Babauta, you know, Josh Shipp, of course, um, all sorts of people like that. And I watched the one with Josh Shipp and I just felt like I really, really want to talk to this guy. And he was gracious enough to give me an hour of his time and be on the show. So I'm really grateful for that. And I'm so glad that we were able to work it out because I know I say every guest is good and every guest is good. I enjoy talking to every single person I talk to on the show. I don't ever just interview people just because they're famous or whatever. I talk to people that I want to talk to. And this is just one of the best conversations I've had in a while. It was so good. And Josh and I are so much on the same page about business and life and the intersection of the two and what it means to find meaning and purpose in the work that we do. So this was a great one. We talked about a lot of good stuff, like the elusiveness of success and the exhaustion of always trying to chase it and attain it, as well as what happens when we finally let go and just be who we are. 
And one part of this whole interview that I found really fascinating was Josh kept kind of repeating the phrase or this idea that if you're willing to humiliate, humiliate, (laughs) humiliate, sorry, if you're willing to humiliate yourself in front of a small group, in front of a select few, then you're going to be fine in front of the big audience. And that's something that I've struggled with my whole life, this idea of being willing to humiliate myself. And another way of saying that is not caring what people think, being able to raise my hand and ask a question, being able to say what I want to say on the show, being able to put out work that I want to put out that means something to me, regardless of how it's going to be received and regardless of the people that are going to think I'm foolish or an idiot or laugh at me. And the truth is, those people are very, very small in number, such a small percentage. And yet I have this fear that they're the majority. They're the vast majority of the world when in fact they're not at all. And I think the same is probably true for you. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Josh. I certainly did. It's just, I know I'm building it way up here, but it really was a fantastic conversation. I, I had so much fun talking to him and getting to know him a little better. I'm sure that I will get him back on the show at some point. But yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. A couple of quick little updates. The course is going well. The show is going well. Things are going well. You know, I'm still really stressed, still have a, a, a lot to get done with this course, but I'm kind of in the groove with it. You know, I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying where it's going. And as always, I would love your feedback on this show and what I'm doing. If you have anything to say, even if it's negative, even if it's a critique, I realize that probably a lot of people who may have a critique aren't going to email. Usually it's only the people who really hate me that email or the people who really love what I'm doing that email. But there's probably a, a big majority of you out there who may have some critiques to offer, but maybe you feel bad about emailing that kind of stuff. I want to tell you, don't feel bad. I want to know what I'm doing wrong and what I can do better because I want to work on those things. That was another big part of the conversation with Josh. I want to work on the things that I suck at and get better at it. So if you have any critique of this show or just any comments or thoughts at all, please email me and let me know. Adam at avclark.com. I would love to hear from you and love to start a dialogue. As I said, I heard about Josh in Fizzle, which, as I said, today is uh, the last day that Fizzle is sponsoring the show, and I'm very grateful for their sponsorship, and it's been a lot of fun. I love Fizzle. We've got a whole group of TGM listeners in Fizzle at this point, and I'd love for you to join us. They're offering a really awesome trial, six weeks for free. And I'd love you to take part of that. And it's just kind of ironic that they're sponsoring this month. Today is the last episode of the sponsorship. And I'm interviewing someone that I found out about through Fizzle. And if you enjoy this conversation with Josh, then go check out Fizzle and listen to an even longer and more in-depth conversation that he did with Chase Reeves. It's a video interview in there that you can check out. Even if you just do the six-week free trial to, to check out that conversation. Um, I think it'll be worth it. So we're going to jump right into this conversation with Josh right after this word from, final word from our sponsor, Fizzle. And I want to say thank you to Fizzle so much 
for this past month and sponsoring the show. I've had a lot of fun with it. So we'll be back with my conversation with Josh right after this. I've been a member of Fizzle for a year and a half, two years now. It has been probably the single most impactful thing in my life that has helped me get to where I am, where I'm doing the thing that I want to be doing and I'm actually making money from it. I can put some food on the table by doing the thing that matters to me. So I don't know how to recommend Fizzle enough. So I called up my friends Chase and Corbett, who run Fizzle along with Barrett Brooks, to ask them what Fizzle meant to them. Okay guys, so give me Fizzle in 20 words or less. Chase has never said anything in 20 words or less in his entire life. So. Well, uh, you know what? I just, uh, there's a lot uh, to talk about. Uh, let's see. We can start with the community. When I say the fizzle in 20 words, like, I want people to hear it and, and know why I should do this, why I should join Fizzle. Like, you know, because they're going to be in all different stages. With that goal in mind, people listening, what, what is fizzle in, in 20 words or less? I love how you get all the words to talk about what you need, yeah, and I get none of the words to answer. You just use 100 words to describe <laughs> what you want him to say. In 20. Um, uh, I would say this. I would say that it is, it is training on the sort of core business issues that you need training on, plus uh, the community of people who are also putting their ass on the line to build something that they care about, to keep you going step after step, because that's, that's just how the rubber and the road meet. Now, Corbett, you do one, because that's the I, one you should use. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I would say Fizzle is a place where small, independent entrepreneurs who just want to build something that they're proud of and um, put food on the table come for support, training, accountability, and camaraderie with other people who are doing the same thing. Okay, so there you have it. Maybe you can't describe Fizzle in 20 words. Maybe it's just that great. I think it is, anyway. And the Fizzle guys are doing something really cool for you TGM listeners, something they have not done for anyone else and are not doing for anyone else, giving you a free six-week trial of Fizzle. You can go in, you can check out every single course, you can check out every single founder story and all the resources in there. Check out the forums, the community, the support, all the stuff we just talked about for six weeks for free. Okay, and the way you do that is you go to fizzle.co slash TGM and start your six-week free trial. So it's an absolute no-brainer to check this out. And I can't recommend it enough. It's changed my life no matter where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. I can say without a doubt that it will change yours as well. So go check them out. Take advantage of the six-week free trial at fizzle.co slash TGM. Right, folks, I again just want to say thank you so much to Fizzle for sponsoring the last month of the show. It's meant a lot to me, and I'm really proud of the little group of TGMers we have inside Fizzle. This is it. So if you want to get your six-week fee trial, go to fizzle.co slash TGM and check it out. I know I just said that, but I can't implore you enough. Everyone who's joined so far is loving it, and we're helping each other out. We're helping each other do this thing. So go do it. 
All right, it's time to talk to Josh Ship. I really love this conversation. I think you will too. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Josh Ship. Is it Josh or Joshua? It's uh, the legal name is Joshua, but yeah. I go by Josh. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to, if you wanted to be all hipster, you could be Joshua. Yeah, but then I, I gotta grow a beard, and that just <laughs> and wear flannel. You know, I don't know if that. I mean, that's what I have the beard. I don't really wear flannel, but I only have the beard because I can't. You know, I can't grow anything on the top, so I've got to have something uh. that I can style. You know. Well, yeah, I've I've got plenty of hair up top and and no beard game. I'm, nice. I'm like a 15 year old boy. Yeah. Well, that 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 could go a lot of different directions. So. Yeah. Well, there we go. We're just which po- which podcast are, here. Which right, podcast are we, we on? I don't remember. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have to confess that I I didn't know anything about you until I saw your video inside of. Uh, fizzle that you did with chase reeves and Mm. um which is an odd coincidence because fizzle is sponsoring the show this month and um yeah so there's a whole there's anyone listening to this there's like a 90 minute conversation between you and chase reeves and i loved it because um you know a lot of those founder stories you know more professional that kind of thing but you were just you were going you were like play for play with Chase's you know kind of ridiculous <laughs> childishness, which is awesome. And I thought I really need to talk to this guy. And so I emailed up Corbett and called in some favors and said, "Can you connect me with with Josh?" And that's how that's how we ended up here. But you've got so I started like you know googling. I don't like to do a lot of research, but I did a little yeah. bit and kind of see who, who who you are. And you've got all this stuff. I mean a blog you're a published author a speaker tv shows online business like you've got a course a training product um at this moment in time when you meet someone who doesn't know you and they ask what what you do like what is your do you have a default answer prepared (laughs) for that Uh, honestly dude it's my least favorite question in the world because I just, I hate what that question means, what the person's trying to do with it. And I hate myself when I ask that question and what I, what my intent is. I'm just trying to put someone in a box. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and really, I don't, I mean, it's interesting you say you had no idea who I was. I'm not in the least bit offended by that. Um, I, truth be told, I don't need most people to know who I am. I don't want most people to know who I am. Um I want a very small, focused sort of community of folks to know I, know who I am, know what I do, these sorts of things. Um, on the honestly, man, I more so think about myself and and struggle and kind of daydream about the stuff I'm trying to improve upon personally. Um, yeah, as a husband, as a father, those sorts of things. Yeah, but as far as how I would define myself as an entrepreneur, it depends on what I'm currently nerding out on. Yeah. Which is defined, which is defined by like from time to time, I pull up sort of my, my, my head and scan the business and identify something that, that sucks. And I go deep into that and nerd (laughs) out about it. Like literally I just wrapped up a couple months ago, 
I'm going to be shocked if you even know what this word means. Dunning management. Do you know what this means? I, no idea. All right. So you mentioned I got a course. So it's like, all right, so what do you do if you got a course and like someone's going to pay you four payments of whatever? Yeah. What if you do, what do you do on payment number three if their card fails? Meaning like, you know, the expiration date changed or their card got stolen. Yeah. Like, like we have thousands of customers and had no strategy in place for that. Like <laughs> nothing. So you would be like, sign up for the thing and you'd still be getting the thing. And it wasn't even like you were trying to be shady, but you just, you know, your card got stolen. And so you've got to update with Netflix and all these other yeah. things that are way more important than us. And we had no flipping strategy in place. So that was like the latest thing that I realized uh, I'm terrible at this. We have no process in place. I'm going to nerd out about this and try to find like someone who's amazing at it and tell me what the crap to do. Well, okay. So two things uh, that's really interesting, but I want to ask you, you said something a minute ago that you, you don't really like the question, what do you do? And I think I get totally where you're coming from with that. Um, cause it's kind of like the, and, you know, how are you doing? Like, people don't really want to know how you're doing. It's just <laughs> it's just a way to start the conversation. It's like they, they expect you to say fine and then you move on. Or it's like, do you really want to sit down for an hour? And, yeah. You can mess with them there. Like, seriously, like next time someone asks you that, just say something real strange and, and just watch the goodness unfold. <laughs> totally. I know. So I don't know. Is there an alternative? I mean, you said you don't even like yourself when you find yourself asking that question. Like, what should I, I understand that we kind of put people in boxes but it's almost like, what else can we do? Like, what would you, what, what, so that's the question. What would you do differently, you know, in a social situation instead of ask someone, you know, mm. what do you do? Like, what would you rather ask them? That's a good question. And look, I, I know I'm getting sort of nerdy slash snobby about it. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying like you're a terrible human being if you ask people that. I've certainly done it. I will certainly do it again in the future, those sorts of things. Um, it, to me, I find a lot of gold if, if I can. And it takes like a weird dose of courage to to kind of go beyond the question of what do you do or where are you from or those sorts of things. But yeah. to try to get to um, – like I like to ask people, what's awesome and terrible in your life right now? Yeah. Like let's let's talk about that. Or what are, you, what are you nerding out about right now? Like what's something – if it's life or business or personal or health, like what's something real – just most people wouldn't think is interesting that you're just like – deep in the weeds on. Um, Have you yeah, ever asked I, that and gotten like a total, you know, cause I imagine that I've, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not a normal person and that I will meet someone at a coffee shop and literally five minutes later, we're talking about like marriage problems. You know, it's like, I just, mm -hmm. just go deep right away and really fast, you know, but I don't think most people are like that. It's, it's, you know, it's awkward and people don't like talking about themselves like that. So have you ever asked yeah, someone well, that and I'm, gotten a totally, you know, like this yeah. deer in the headlights look? Yeah, and I'm not necessarily looking to get personal. If they get personal, I don't care. I'm not saying, like, tell me the time your handsy uncle touched you inappropriately. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, like, what's something you're nerding out about or what's awesome and awkward? And they might, they might go shallow, and if so, very well, it's still going to be interesting because it's something they're excited about, or they might be someone who's fine going deep and being like, man, you know, I'm really trying to prove my relationship with my wife or my kids. I have these fears around it and this sort of stuff pops up. Um, and personally, I'm, 
I'm fine with either and uh, and I'm fine doing either d- depending on the day. I just, you know, as a guy who, look, you host a podcast, I've done a handful of podcasts. There are these certain things that I get to talk about during the day, you know, uh, how to become a speaker, how to get yeah. through to your kid, you know, kind of that 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 kid and people that care for kids world that I live in. And I love that stuff. I like I no joke. I really do. I love it. It matters to me and this and that. Um, but I have a, at a coffee shop, a, you know, a party, an airplane. Uh, I, I just like to get outside of that. I like to yeah. get outside of kind of the stuff that, that I hold expertise in and that I have really well-crafted talking points in into things that I'm struggling with and like I don't have a good answer about. And I wouldn't necessarily say my current perspective on it is good advice to anyone. And and yeah. maybe I'm so biased on this because basically I tell people what to do for a living. <laughs> basically I give people advice. They say, Oh, my kid's driving me crazy or I can't get booked to speak at schools. What the heck do I do? And I need to have some sort of yeah. thoughtful, caring, intelligent um, piece of advice for them. Yeah. Well, I think that's very interesting. And I get that with the, uh you know, sometimes work is work. I mean, even if it is, even if it is very meaningful and you feel like it's a, a calling or a, a purpose mm-hmm. or whatever, sometimes it still is just work, you know, and, yep. and, and it's just, you want to leave it alone on a Friday afternoon and, and not think about it. And, and so you mentioned a second ago that, you know, you, are you, are you drawn to the things that are, are broken? Like you said, you'll, you'll find something that isn't working right and just totally nerd out about that. Is that, intentional or like are you are you drawn to those things or I oh, am yeah I am in a, I am in a weird way so you know I had this crazy childhood a dozen foster homes abuse like just a lot of insanity um it, yeah I ended up with a great set of foster parents several hundred hours of counseling like I'm good now you know like all of us I'm flawed I'm messed up I have things that trigger me I have I, I still have scars from that but yeah. for the most part for the most part, I'm a I'm a pretty stable like I'm in a good spot on all that. But but what that life, what that early life did for me was, and particularly the counseling that followed and the work that followed, sort of that trauma, was really got me comfortable being okay with looking at what's not working. You know what's currently flawed or broken, or do I have unclear thinking on? Um, I I do. It's a great question, Adam. I do really, really enjoy digging in there and and looking at that stuff. I, as a matter of fact, and I like my closest friends are the people who will be the most blunt and honest with yeah. me about those blind spots. Like I really, I'm not just saying this. I really appreciate when someone. A obviously has a credibility and trust in my life to do such, but secondly is caring enough to to do that. So I am really drawn to, um, you know, great, yeah, you know, a handful of things are going well. Okay, cool. Let's try to be appreciative of that. But what's not going well? What could be improved? How how could I grow or how could I help improve a situation? I do really get excited about that. Um, 
I got to be I got to be careful, though, dude, because on the other side of it, I'm married. I'm a father. Like if I take that approach with my wife, you know, just because like I'm all amped into like, (laughs) honey, could you point out like the biggest flaw in me? And like, I'm going to get excited and go read a book or listen to a podcast and improve upon it. Trust me, I've done that to Sarah. And like (laughs) she does not take kindly to it. You know, no, it, it doesn't. It's it doesn't not work. that she's close-minded or doesn't want to improve or this and that, but my what I appreciate and my modality of of learning or improving or whatever uh, isn't everyone's, and and that's fine. Well, it's interesting because I feel like I'm the same way. Although I had a complete opposite childhood experience from you, but um, so I'm curious to know, like, what it was about. The, the counseling or whatever it was that um, makes you attracted to those things. Cause, cause I'm the same way, but this is like, this is my, this is where it struggles for me. It's like, yeah, if, if I had the time and the money, I, I would just, you know, think about things and like you said, read a book, figure, you know, it's just this never, it's like, for me, the fun part of life is the searching and figuring out things. But there's just no time for that, honestly, um, because there's work to be done and I'm a one man kind of deal here. So um, I don't know what, you know, what was it specifically that I guess drew you to or made you like trying to figure out problems? Does that does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Uh, To be to be honest with you, I hate the searching. Um, I do. I I'm addicted to the result. I, I think that's what it is. I think that some, well, here it is. I'd been to a bunch of counselors when I was a kid and I would just kind of immediately write them off and be like, I'm fine. You're crazy. Like yeah. we're not doing this. And, and I would just piss them off and they would say, I'm not working with this kid. Yeah. But, but my final parents, the Wiedemeyers in, in Yukon, Oklahoma, they were real smart about it. They were like, all right, first of all, we know you're going to buy a car and we'll pay for your car insurance if you'll go to a minimum of 12 sessions of counseling. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. They bribed me. And then they said something really smart. They said, you should expect those first four or five sessions to just be terrible. Yeah. Like you're going to leave feeling worse than you're going to leave feeling worse than when you went in. Yeah. So because I was kind of bribed and cajoled into giving it a try. And when it was difficult, not thinking that it wasn't working, that's actually a sign that it is working. I I got results from it. Hmm. And I think that's, that's, that's a part of it I'm addicted to is, is I'm, I'm willing to put myself through pain, not just because I, I think there might be a result on the end of the rainbow or, Oh, I heard this Josh guy on the item Adam's podcast say that there's a good thing on the other side of it. I, I think I can earnestly go after those um, sort of facing those difficult things because I've had a prior experience that has proved to me that if you're willing to put yourself through a difficult process, um, you know, with a trusted advisor or book or something that there will be good to come of it, even if it's not the good you intended, or even if it's not as much good as you hoped for, that yeah. it can't hurt might help. What what results did you get? Good question. Um, just, well, I, I mean, a lot of things. I mean, stability, ability to 
um, like connect with people. I, when I like birth to 19 or 20, I probably cried twice in my entire life. Yeah. Like zero to 20. Uh, I, I had no feelings, dude. Yeah. Which means, which means not only could I not cry, but I couldn't laugh. Yeah. I mean, when I was in school, like, you know, middle school or elementary school, and there would be like a funny movie they'd show on like a blow off day. Yeah. I, ki- I kid you not, dude. I did not know when to laugh. So I would just laugh along when the other kids laughed. Hmm. And, and I got that, okay, something quirky is happening on screen or something, you know, probably comical, but it, it, it literally had no emotional meaning to me. Like I, yeah. I was just, you know, I, I guess had to be or no new other way than just to strip all feeling, all emotion as a, as a sort of protection mechanism. So, so counseling slowly, painfully, eventually gave me the ability to feel again, the ability to trust and bond with and connect with the right people. Um, You know, and not to say, hey, everyone's worth trusting and everyone's worth going all in on. Uh, It it gave me that, which then later led to, you know, a lot of things, friendships, dating relationships, marriage, being a father, uh, so much of that. Um, it's so, it's so it, interesting that we're t- we're talking about therapy because I did not expect to uh, talk to you about therapy, but I'm fascinated by it because I don't know if you're this way now, but I'm definitely one of those verbal processor kind of people. Like I have to talk things out and yeah. I would not be able to survive my own head if I did not have people that I could constantly just, you know, dump it all on and and talk it through. And it's not even like I need any advice. I just need, you know, an hour to talk through something and come to what I already knew was there. But I'm I'm curious to know, you know, so I'm someone, you know, a lot of people, a lot of friends, you know, they've never been to a therapist. They've never had that kind of like my wife is someone who's just never had people she talks to. And I'm like, I don't know how you like stay alive. I don't know how you don't go crazy because I couldn't do that. And, but in a way it almost has, the reason I asked you what benefit you got, like what, what the result was is because for me, I don't see a lot of results because since I'm naturally a talker and an introspective person, you know, when I sit down with a therapist and I I go to a therapist now, I, I still do every, every other week, you know, and it's like, I've got answers for, you know, it's it's almost like my mind is prepared to battle anything they might say that could help me, you know, and yeah. and so I go into it and it's just another conversation. It's just more talking and it doesn't really seem to result in translating to changing anything. So that, that's why I was curious, like what changed for you? Like, how did that help you, you know, actually change your life? You know? Oh, dude, I and I for sure can point back to counseling as a as a catalytic part of that, um, you know, and and too, as I think back past uh, sessions, as you're explaining your process with it, you know, there are some sessions where the counselor doesn't need to nor say a lot. Yeah, you know, he acts as almost a guardrail of of kind of like you know let's let's stay on track let's you know let's kind of keep moving along those ways um but i wonder if in just that 
because I trust him because I because I know he has the chops, dude. Yeah. From time to time, he'll like he'll step on the gas just to remind me he's worth the 150 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be like, oh, yeah. And he's not like he's not trying to be weird about it and like pompous the way I'm going to describe it right now. Mm-hmm. But he'll be like he'll pluck out something and be like, well, the reason that you're having that struggle with your wife currently is because of this thing that happened to you when you were nine. And I'm like, holy crap, you're right. Yeah. So and it's not even that that, that thing matters, though it is sobering to get clarity on it's that i know this dude knows his stuff like he's a trustworthy pilot yeah that that should things go wrong or should i get off track or should things get like dangerous in here or like i'm starting to cannibalize my own brain or something that he has the power and the authority if necessary to guide me yeah to to me, that's what it is. Yeah. To me, it's, you know, to me, the job of a good counselor is just like the job of a good parent is not to try to talk you into something you don't believe, but to be patient and guide you until you eventually believe something that's 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 true and right and helpful. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter what his perspective on my childhood is. He probably knew it the second he read my file what I needed but yeah. that, but that he would be patient if it took a year or 6 years until i eventually arrived at that kind of sober thinking about a challenge i had gone through well i think where i'm going with this is that the point i'm trying to make is that um i i need people in my life to talk to and to bring it around to business and stuff like that i mean you could you could turn that into you know having a mentor or having a coach or having you know, that kind of stuff in business. And I have a lot of friends, a lot of people who kind of, you know, they kind of blow off that type of stuff as just, you know, I don't need that. I'm, I can, I can do my own thing and maybe they can, and that's fine. But do you feel like that those types of relationships, the mentoring, the coaching, the therapy, the counseling, like those types of relationship, not just in life, but in business as well, are, are really essential and critical? Yeah, I mean, without question, and and that's where the practicality of the of the results and the benefit are is that my business is the ceiling of my business is is my ceiling. Like my strengths are my business's strengths, my weaknesses are my business's weaknesses. My flaws and my strengths are so rampant in my business that any time I can get clarity or over something or learn something um, or, or, you know, have a flaw pointed out that then I can go and attack it all the time, dude, without fail, without fail, I kid you not, uh, helps and improves my business. And, you know, there is, there is such a stigma with therapy yeah, because to admit therapy you feel like you're you would be going around the world shouting like I'm screwed up and I'm messed <laughs> up and I got it but we're all screwed up and we're all messed up. Uh, that's my whole yeah I I fully that's the whole mantra of this podcast is that I I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with anything. So <laughs> But that's yeah. the problem. You and I believe that but there are a handful of well-meaning people out there that don't. Yeah. You know, and they may like listening to your podcast and be like, "Oh, that's nice these guys can beat up on themselves." Uh, but I'm fine. Like I'm good. I don't I don't need that. I don't want that. But 
it, it, it's not the truth is, dude, I'm like I'm 80 percent fine. Like yeah. right now, today, today. I mean, what is it? It's February 25th. I'm 80% fine today, but there's 20% of me that's screwed up where I have unclear thinking, where my ego gets in the way, where I'm impatient, where I'm trying to protect my own best interest and that yeah. hurts the people I love. And that all of us are like that. It doesn't mean that you're like royally screwed and you need to be institutionalized. It's that all of us need some perspective, some encouragement, some guidance and you know, I, I think if, and then I've, I've translated that to having business mentors of, you know, I've really got two options. I can either stay ignorant about this dunning process as an example <laughs> yeah. and lose out on money every single month that people would probably actually like to give me. I just, we'd never got in touch with them Yeah. or I can, you know, suck it up and, and you know what? I was running with a buddy the other day, and this is the way I put it. I know I'm a speaker by trade, so I'm probably, you know, pegged with trying to put stuff in a cutesy, clever way. But <laughs> um, so here's a bumper sticker for you. Right. I basically, I basically said to him, "If you're willing to humiliate yourself in front of one person, you'll succeed in front of an audience of people." Yeah. Meaning, if I can, if I can put my tail between my legs and go to this Dunning guy and say, "Dude, look at this." Like, I am royally screwing this up. Like, look at how much money's leaking out the door every month. If I'm willing to humiliate myself in front of that guy, then I will succeed in front of a mass of people. Yeah. And they'll think, oh, this guy's always had clear thinking and a strategy and this or this and that around it, which in most instances is not true. There are only a handful of things I'm naturally talented at and everything else was a result of behind closed doors, going and willing to humiliate myself to a bookkeeper, a an attorney, a business coach, a someone, yeah. and and then eventually kind of have a, a clear mind and strategy about it. Well, I've also found, and I don't know if it's this way for you or not, but I had this picture when I was younger that, you know, everything, it's like, you know, my life should be a constant, you know, up and to the right kind of diagram and and it's not that way even even through you know with uh therapy or counseling whatever you want to call it and businesses and mentors and coaches and all that kind of stuff it's not this steady improvement where like you said today you're 80 percent fine yeah there are some days where i'm 80 percent fine and then the next day i'm like 10 percent fine and yes it's just a, yes. it's a daily for me it's just it's a, a daily thing it it doesn't just you know you reach a point where now i'm 35 and i'm 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 pretty good with things and i'm i'm up here in the 80% and and you know it's going to stay there and just keep getting higher like if i don't constantly work at this it just shoots straight back down to the bottom yeah and i don't know how that's not true with anything like yeah. I, I think that's i think that's true with every i mean if I take the if I take the, the the pedal off of my marriage or my relationship with my kids, or my business or my relationships, um, it eventually we cannot we can't cram for these things. It's not like you know. All right, I did the hundreds of hours of counseling as a kid. Like oh, I'm you're fine good. now. Yeah. I'm never gonna face an issue. Like come on, that's just naive. Like we're all smarter than that. Yeah, we know better than that. We should. Um, 
And to me, I mean, look, uh, frankly, I've been successful. I get that. Like here I am, I get to go on a podcast and I'm supposed to share some lessons or something. But <laughs> to, to me, if I could, if I could point back like to, to one thing I've done that I really think has made a difference, it isn't sexy that it's not the answer people would like or whatever. It's just that I'm, I'm willing to be self-aware enough to know where I'm great and where I'm terrible. Yeah. And I, and, and I don't wallow in it. Like I, I take a, I guess an evil pride in it of like, all right, well that means I can go and get a little bit better at that. And that's, yeah, that's okay. I think if we can, if we can have the courage or the guts or the, whatever that takes to be self-aware enough to, to know when things are going well, to know when they're not, to know when we need to improve, to know when things are going well and be fine with that and know that's part of the process. And it's not, it's not, this is my biggest beef, um, particularly in my work with kids, man. I, I have a heart for kids and seeing them do well is I just hate and despise that your typical teenager thinks that to raise their hand and admit that they have fears and concerns and doubt themselves and uh, means that they're weak. Yeah. You know, I think that means you're brave and a badass, but our mind tries to convince us that that means we're weak and don't do it and put your hand down and don't you dare and don't you ever, and don't you let them know. But to me, that, that's the, that's a subtle little thing that's going to separate a screwed up kid who goes and makes a life for themselves and a screwed up kid who goes and continues to be screwed up. They both start in the same place. Well, it takes, it takes a long time to get to a point where you really don't care anymore what people think. And I don't mean that that can be a bad Mm. thing. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, in a good way, like the way we should be, like we really don't care if people approve of us or think well of us. And I don't know. I mean, the the people that I see around me being successful and accomplishing things, they've really got that attitude. Like, like they don't care what I think. They don't care if I'm going to laugh at them or think that they're stupid or this was a silly question. They're not concerned about that. And like, I spent my whole life being concerned about those things and needing other people's approval. But that's just such a paralyzing way to live. You can't make any move because you're just terrified that that someone is going to point their finger and and laugh, you know? Yeah. And I wish there was a way in a sentence that we could say to convince someone of that or people of that or um, myself of that years ago. But I, I, I just don't know of that yeah. sentence. I don't I don't know of that that thought or that idea to convince someone of that other than. I guess when you get around your thirties and you've tried to please people for so long or make someone <laughs> yeah. happy and you just realize it doesn't know, work, you know, it doesn't work. And some people are going to always be pleased with you and they probably shouldn't. Yeah. And some people are going to always be unpleased and, and that's not fair either. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that, that is, that is life and that's part of it. And it, it's not a, like you said, it, this is not about, being close-minded to people who are invested in your life and their criticism of where you could improve. That's, that's being stupid. Yeah. That's, you know, that's not an example of not caring what people think. I, I mean, the, 
you know, is this going to impress so-and-so or, you know, in, in my world of speakers, authors, thought leaders, whatever you want to call us that do this thing, you know, I find a tendency for there to be so much focus on, is this going to impress Josh Ship? And, and I don't, I'm not your audience. Like, I thought you were out there to help teachers. Like, what the hell are you trying to impress me for? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm not your yeah. customer. I'm not, it doesn't matter. It's so easy to slip into that though. Like I, you know, I've told this story many times, but you know, the, the genesis of this podcast was me getting so frustrated with trying to make podcasts successful for two years. And I was trying to make something that I thought people would like, and it just never worked. And finally I just said, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to make the damn podcast that I want to make. And I don't care if anyone listens or not. And and so I just made <laughs> it. And suddenly thousands of people show up. And, and that's the kind of the ironic twist. And then and then you have some success and you're like, well, I wasn't prepared at all for success because I expect, you know, used to failure. I've got a plan for that. But success shows up and then it's, it's almost as bad as failure because if you don't know what to do with it. And yeah, it, you're always trying to impress people and it's just ah uh, it's such an exhausting way to live but so i i'm curious like where yeah, you yeah, are now on. i don't i don't want to move on yet i don't want to okay. move on all yet right, sorry. that because <laughs> you talk every, now now i'm hosting the show okay right. all right so every like everybody of mine that i that i that i love and that also like successful in their own right like chase chase reeves who you talked about in the beginning it's interesting because they all have that moment that you just described like that moment that's in the movie where there's like the politician who's give, been given the canned speeches yeah. and he's up there and he tears up the script and his chief of staff is like sweating and freaking out <laughs> and they say what's on their mind and the yeah. people go crazy. Yeah. Like that moment seems to be such a through line in everyone that I know personally enough for them to tell me that story. Cause it's rarely in your bio yeah. It's rarely like the reason they're a successful entrepreneur, speaker, author, whatever, is because they finally had the guts to like say what they wanted to say and what would be helpful to them. But I think that, um, you know, that is so true. And that is such a through line I see in in my friends who are successful in a variety of different industries and niches outside of mine is that, again, that that courage, that that and it's scary and i had that moment i was going around to high schools giving this just stupid lame zig ziglar junior talk <laughs> and this is nothing against zig ziglar like yeah. he's ridiculous he's amazing but i'm not him and it's yeah. so easy to be like i need to be the watered down version of something that's proven versus let me be myself let me give the talk to the high school kids I wished I would have gotten yeah. when I was in high school. Um, Man, yeah, I know. Because in, yeah. in the feedback, dude, that comes in is no longer lukewarm. It's no longer polite clap like, oh, yeah, yeah, fine. It's either like people violently love it yes. or violently are like, this dude is not my cup of tea. You become very polarizing in that moment. And that's the other thing I found of people that are, you know, quote unquote successful is that they tend to be, you know, people tend to love them or hate them. I mean, they're not just mediocre. It's, you know, like one of my favorite podcasts and interviewers and conversationalists is Mark Marin, And he's a stand-up 
comedy guy and he does this show, but people either, I found that people yep. either love him or they hate him. No one is just like, eh, yeah, Mark Maron, he's cool. You know, it's like, yeah, you start, you become a bit polarizing. And I don't know, the question I want to ask you is though, how do you stay in that moment where you're like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to say what's on my mind because as we said, you do that, suddenly that tends to produce some amount of success or some amount of audience. Like my personal story with that is, you know, all these thousands of people showed up to listen to my show and I had never experienced that before. And suddenly I found myself thinking, I've got to keep these people. So I start going right back to how do I make this show what they want to hear when the whole thing that made it work in the first place was just saying what I wanted to say. Like, I find it's once you've had that moment, like it's really, really hard to stay there because now you've got an audience and that becomes so precious. Like it's like, I don't want to lose these people. And, and it turns into the struggle to, you know, um, how do I make sure that no one unsubscribes? You know what I mean? Instead of just <laughs> right. keep doing what you were doing, you know? Right. So, yeah, it's funny because they're attracted to you because you were this guy and then you start getting timid and then you're this <laughs> other guy and then they leave. Not right. because you weren't, you know, doing your thing well, but but because they were bait and switched. That's yeah. that's a great question, dude. Um, it Here's what it comes down to to me is timely selfishness. You know, to me, selfishness is something that has, you know, negative connotation. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason I'm kind of packaging it this way. I like to mess around with words. And so, <laughs> um, but to me, if you're selfish, if you're going to be selfish, you need to be selfish at the start. Yeah. At the start of the road, not, not once you're down the road, you know, like to me, if, you know, if I'm dating my wife, like I need to kind of you know, I need to do her the favor of like, here's the good and bad of me. Like, here's who I am um, versus like, let's get married and then let me like relax and actually be who I am. Yeah. So to and to me, there's nothing, nothing selfish in that act. It's actually a very selfless act to from the get go be very clear on who you are, who you're not, what you bring to the table, what you don't bring to the table. Um, so that, so that people can choose you and so that people can know what they're getting into and be, and be clear about that. Um, and, and then, you know, once that audience forms or whatever, how do you not, how do you not sort of, you know, freeze or, or sabotage or it anxious yeah. and, and sabotage it is, you know, I think you've got to have, you've got to remind yourself of what you led them in with. Of like yeah. what they were actually attracted to, which was the genuine, honest, real version of the of you. Like that's what you sold them. That's what you promised to them. So if you're going to be selfish, be be selfish now, not later down the road. Well, I I think what makes it, I don't know, in my mind, what makes it hard to stay there. And I, I love the picture of the you know political movie, you know, and the and the presidential candidate crumpling the paper because. You know, we've all seen that in a movie and it's just right. a perfect analogy. But I, what, what is so hard, why it's so hard to stay in that moment is because often what leads to that moment is desperation or mm-hmm. a string of failures or, or a period where you feel like you have nothing to lose. So what the hell, I'm just going to do this. And, but then once you start having some success, you do have something to lose and it's really hard 
when you have a following to maintain that attitude of I have nothing or, or, or do actions from a place of I have nothing to lose because those are tend to be the most honest actions. Um, and so, yeah, I really struggle with like, you know, how to how to keep doing things as if there's nothing to lose when there is something to lose now. That's does that make sense? It sounds confusing. It, yeah, for sure does. And and I, and I think uh, as boring as it may be, I still think my my thought is the same. Is that the the fear is it in around a confusion of of why they're there? You know, yeah. a confusion that 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 they're confused about what you are. No, no, they're not. People are not stupid. You're not going to fool them. You're not going to trick yeah. them. Um, they know what they're getting into, and they and they liked that. So. Um, to me, you know, this, to me, this kind of leads to another thing I'm really passionate about, which is again, very connected to therapy oddly, which is just like personal accountability. Meaning, you know, like if Adam, like if you and I are close personal buddies and so maybe I hop onto your podcast time and time and listen to it and I hear you sort of wandering away from who you are. Yeah. Like I need to, like someone needs to have the authority in your life to call you up and be like, "What are you doing? Yeah, where where are you headed? Are you hearing yourself? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, who are you? What's going on? Oh, okay. oh, you've hired an assistant. And now there's like some overhead or or blah blah blah. Like, dude, don't you remember why people signed up with you in the first place? I, the 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 issue is never, can I trust myself when I'm thinking clearly? You know, like you said, those eight those 80% days. Like I'm yeah. good. I trust myself on those days. Like I'll, I'll make good decisions on those days. It's those 10 or 20% days. Like I cannot count on myself those days. I cannot expect myself to make clear wise decisions on those days. So, you know, you know, we need to, I need to have people in my life that on those days, um, I can either re- reach out to, by the way, not likely, or they can be proactive and reach out to me and say, what's going on? I feel like you're wandering here. I feel like you're getting away from kind of the things you wanted me to to hold you to when you were thinking clearly. Yeah. Well, a really, okay, so this is a really practical question on that topic because, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still at the stage of being a one-man show. I mean, that's that's the way I like it. And but honestly, part of it, too, is just because, you know, I haven't grown past that. And so um, I understand the need for that. I mean, I've seen it in my own life, so I definitely understand the need for it in business and stuff like that. But what would you say to people who are like, yes, I agree with you. I need people like that. So where do I find those people? You know, I, I, don't, I don't have the money to pay some guy to co- business coach, you know, $1,000 an hour. You know, I have friends, but they don't know anything about what I'm doing. They're not really the business mentor kind of person. You know, how does how does one go about building those relationships? Yeah, great question. So I'll tackle kind of the the, th- the three parts of that. Um, well, one could be, yes, maybe you don't have the money to pay a business coach a thousand bucks a month every every month or whatever. But maybe you're right now bumping up against a situation that is so tactical, like it's not a personal issue or it's not a mindset issue that like your friend or a counselor could kind of slap you on the right road with. 
Yeah. But it's like a really, really tactical thing. Like me with this Dunning management. Yeah. Like I could, I could go and find some dude and pay him 150 bucks for an hour of his time and just be like, look, I'm smart. I'm capable. Like I'll do what you tell me, but just tell me what to do. Yeah. So, so it's not that you need to be prepared to drop a grand a month for a year. Um, yeah, maybe eventually you're in a financial situation that makes sense or whatever. But still, that that one hour, if you can trust yourself to implement, it's never the advice. The advice doesn't matter. If 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 your issue is information, you have Google. Right. So, you know, what's going to make a difference is, you know, A, do you trust the source? B, is he or she going to get the subtleties of your situation, the personalization. That's why the hour long coaching session or whatever could be helpful, but ultimately are you going to go and implement? So, yeah. so that, there's that one side of it. But secondly, sometimes your friends or the personal people, uh, even in your business life indeed are the very best people because so many of at least my issues that I would like to categorize as business issues. No, they're personal issues. Like, <laughs> There, there's oh, something man. broken. Yeah. It's something broken in me and in my ego and try to protect myself. I'd like to try to tell you that, you know, my assistant's lazy or, you know, this yeah. and this is going on or, oh boy, this. But no, it's something in me that, that I have either allowed and likely allowed for far too long and not taken responsibility on um, or it's something that I didn't have clarity on. And yeah. the good news is, a, a personal friend, someone who knows the best of you and the worst of you, they are the most qualified to call you out on that. Very well, they don't know your industry very well. They don't mm. know this and that, but but that's not your issue anyway. Yeah, uh, you know that's so true. It could be it could be a one-two punch of, you know your you know your buddy calls out a, you know a mindset that you or a fear that you know maybe you Adam as an example have around the idea of bringing on an assistant and what would that mean to give up some control or, or having to kind of dictate a a process that then someone counts on or that you're accountable to. And so you go, ah, yeah, you're kind of right. And then once you get over that, then you go find someone and say, Hey, I would like to pay you a hundred bucks to lay out for me. You know, what did you do when you first hired an assistant and what did you learn and what would you ever do again? And, and, and all that, I think it's, um, and I know your show is very anti-tactics and some shows are, are very anti-mindset and I, or not anti, you're not anti, that's, that's unfair, but it's like, you're more, you're more about like the mindset and the heart, which I dig of course, but, but, but both are necessary. Yeah. Like you've, you've got to get yourself to a position where, where you have talked, talked yourself into doing the right thing and then you have to go and discover or extract what the right thing is to do because so many people, I mean, the speakers I train, 99% of these people are earnest, good dudes and good ladies. Like they're earnest, their mindset, their heart is pure. They have a good intent. Um, What they lack is a strategy and, and, and what they need to go and be, pure-minded about and intentional about and those sorts of things. So the good news is your buddy doesn't have to be the world's most uh, foremost expert on insert name of your business here to to give you that side of it. Yeah. 
Well, you said a couple things in there that I I, I had planned on asking you about because you, you you wrote a book about you know the the, the on the topic of um, kind of uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank now like following your dreams you know like making yeah. you know the life you want kind of thing and um, and one thing I have found is that or one thing I've always been amazed by when I talk to people who are a lot more experienced in business than I am is that they think really, really big. And, you know, like I will do something and I'll think, oh, maybe I could sell that for a hundred dollars. And I'll have a conversation with someone and they're like, no, I'm going to sell it for 1500. And I'm like, what? There's no way, you know, that like they just, they think way, way bigger than I do. And, and I feel like that's a, that's something that I've been learning lately, but this is a problem that I've run into. And I just wonder what you'd have to say about this is that, you know, when you start thinking bigger and trying to set bigger goals for yourself, knowing that you may not reach them, but, but also knowing that if you set a bigger goal, you're likely to go further than you would if you set a small goal. Um, what happens is sometimes you, you take this huge, like me personally, I keep saying you because I don't want to say me and sound bad, but <laughs> it's all it's all personal. I'll just say me. OK, so My I take this. James. Right. I take this huge sort of bite out of the world and set these big goals. And then a month later, um, it's like, what did I get myself into? You know, now it's just so overwhelming and so big. And you think or I think. I can't do this. You know, I've just, I need to go back to just doing what I was doing because this is just way too big and too heavy and I can't figure it out and I don't know where to go next. And what do you, what do you do in that, in that moment? You know, is that a tactics moment or, you know, that can be a very just discouraging, depressing moment because it's very exciting to take that big yes. bite. But then when you start choking on it, you know, what do you do then? So this is um, this is something I'm terrible at. Uh, that's the bad news. <laughs> the uh, the good news is is I figured as I have with most things I've I've figured out a workaround. Um, so part of the workaround is this: uh, when I have these days that I feel inspired, maybe I've met with a coach or a mentor or a friend or saw a documentary or. Yeah, you know, went to a conference or whatever where you're just like, I'm gonna crush it. I'm gonna yeah. rah, 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 release the kraken. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, when I have those moments, I try to be real disciplined about in that hour where that inspiration's there, or at best, 24 hours. That that I commit myself to doing something I know I'll later chicken out on. Yeah. So well, explain that. Okay, so you know, you can you can insert your business principle on this, but here's like a personal ex example. Like I was like, "All right, I'm a I got all inspired to run a marathon." And I was just in that like hour of inspiration and on that high, and it was something I wanted to do anyway, but I just felt a lot of temporary courage. Yeah. That's all inspiration is, by the way. Is temporary courage. And so with that temporary courage, I've got to call up a couple friends and say, hey, I know you guys are training for a marathon. Like, I'm going to join you. What's the schedule? Give me a hard time if I'm not there. I go on the rock and roll website. I spend 150 bucks. 
you know, uh, sign myself up for this particular marathon. So, so I try to, as best I can, and you can probably see how this can relate to business. You know, mm-hmm. you're buying the domain, you're, you're signing up for the thing, you're, uh, you know, you're whatever, you're, you're investing time or money or energy or commitments that later you know you're going to chicken out on. Yeah. I try to push myself as far down that road as I possibly can while I have that sort of temporary inspiration because I know come the next day or the next week or whatever that it's going to eventually fade. So so that's one part of it. The second part of it is that as much as I am a mindset guy, um, for some reason around this idea of, to go back to your example, pricing as an example, I can't mindset my, my way around that. Yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't just go internal and go, I've been in the industry a lot of years and you know what? I provide a lot of value and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm, I'm going to raise my fees or I'm going to raise my rate or this is a, this should be premium, premiumly priced. Um, it should, it should work, but it doesn't for me. So I, I have to rely on like data here, which means I have to prove to myself that someone would actually do it. So as an example, when my business was primarily just speaking, it's not that anymore, but when it was just speaking. So think of that as basically a consultant. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I knew I needed to raise my rates. So I would, I would raise them during a month when I didn't really have much room in the schedule anyway. So if April was all booked up and someone was like, Hey, we want you to come and speak at April in April, I would kind of name what I thought should be my newer price Mm -hmm. because there was a situation where I had nothing to lose. I didn't really want to get on an airplane again. Anyway, I figured they were going to say no anyway. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. And so there's a data point, not a belief, not a hope, not an inspiration, not a, you know, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're good enough. Like that person paid the higher fee. They did so pretty quickly. They did so with very little persuasion or convincing. Uh, Like that's not just a like, dang it, you're good enough. Get your stuff together. Like that person actually did it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so then it just comes back to, okay, people are willing to do it. Now, how can I put myself in a situation with the pricing where they feel like they're ripping me off? Meaning my goal personally <laughs> as a business guy has always been whatever I'm charging, like if it's a thousand bucks, I want you to feel like you should have paid 3000 yeah. You know, so how can I pack in extra value, surprises that I don't market, you know, those sorts of things. Um the over deliver stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cause to me, as much as I like to make money and I'm not apologetic about that, um, you know, I also have this side of me that like, you know, I really, I want to do good in the world and I want it to, I want it to be a, you know, I want marketing to be something where they're like, man, I'm so glad you talked me into buying that thing from you. Yeah. Not, you know, you convinced me to buy it and I kind of wish I wouldn't have. Yeah. Well, like your analogy with running. Okay. So I agree when, when you have that inspiration, go as far as you can in that moment. But as with everything, and this is what I've learned is that everything 
has a dip. It doesn't matter what it is. There's the, mm-hmm. the start is always a high and exciting, and I'm addicted to that part of the process. What always happens is the dip comes and then I quit because that really sucks that period. But when that dip happens, when when your inspiration is gone and you feel like I took on too much, this was a crazy idea. I'm never going to be able to accomplish this marathon. I mean, what was I thinking? You know, in that in those moments, and those moments can last a long time. Does it? just come down to discipline and just keep keep going at it or you know what do you do in those moments well i mean it depends honestly uh, truthfully sometimes i give up and i look back and i regret it yeah um sometimes i i do some smart things like what i'll probably tell you in a second and i look back and i'm like oh yeah i'm glad i did that um but, but truthfully i've done both you know i've 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 handled it you know, very well and, and, and terribly. Yeah. Um, you know, my smarter moments have been, uh, you know, to use the marathon as a working illustration, here's why most people say, like, if you were to like go out your front door right now, find five people on the street and say, could you run a marathon? They would say, no, I could never run. A yeah. Marathon. Yeah. What is that? 26 miles. I could never run a marathon. Yeah. And what they're really saying is I couldn't run a marathon tomorrow. Right. That's what they, th- for that's a bias they think that your question holds. That That's what they think that you mean. But, but really signing up for a marathon means first week you're going to run three miles and then five and then seven and, and on and on and on. Yeah. And, you know, assuming you don't have physical ailments, all of us are capable of that. Yeah. You know, it's it's are you willing to put in 10 months of preparation again? Um, let's go back to my smart bumper sticker of <laughs> are you willing to humiliate yourself for 10 months in front of a, you know, maybe you've joined a running group or team in training or a couple buddies that run more than you? Are you willing to humiliate yourself in front of them while you're like sweating and farting on yourself and your nipples are bleeding because you didn't know where <laughs> band-aids and all this stuff? Yeah. Are you willing to privately humiliate yourself in front of them for 10 months so that come the day of your race, you can post a photo of yourself on Instagram with you with your finishers medal? I think I think where people or at least I know me like where I where like where I go with that is I honestly doubt that um, that photo with the finishers medal is ever going to happen. You know, like there's just so much self-doubt in here that it's just like. I can't perceive that as, as any kind of reality. So in the tough moments, it just, it feels so like, why am I even doing this? Because come on, Adam, you know, that, that, that finishing this thing, like completing that marathon, you know, that's never really going to happen. Like that's what's going on in my head, you know? Yeah. And you can't do it alone. I mean, any race I've ever trained for has never been alone because if you were to look at my running consistency when I'm at home, Versus my running consistency when I'm traveling, aka by myself, it's it's just embarrassing. Yeah. You know, I, I make about ninety five percent of the runs when I'm at home, and probably about forty mm, percent when I'm on the road. So that is a that is a drastic difference because I know there's people there that I enjoy. The time's going to go quickly. It's going to be fun. We're going to goof off and laugh and harass each other half the time. People are counting on me. It's way easier for me to let myself down than to let them down. Uh, you know, I, th- I think if if you think 
you could do this marathon and whatever that marathon means to you, either A, overnight or B, by yourself, you are without question, and this is not an insult to your talent, to your intelligence, to your perseverance, you are inevitably setting yourself up for failure. Totally. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And so to relate that to business, to not doing it alone, does that go back to the the mentorship and the, you know, the the relationships, the, you know, therapy, if you will? Um, I, th- I think so. I mean, we just talked about two elements there, an inner circle, which which to me should be made up of some, you know, some personal friends that know the the good and bad of me and that I can just be raw with. Yeah. Um, you know, probably a strategist, probably, a, you know, perhaps a therapist, but kind of a portfolio of people that represent those different things you need to succeed in business. Sometimes you need to get out of your head. Sometimes you need a strategy and a game plan. Sometimes you need, you know, someone 20 years older than you who can just see exactly the mistakes you're making and yeah. tell you them in about 30 seconds. Um, so you so you need that team you need that you need that running group you need you need that inner circle in business uh but then also you need a a, a baby step game plan of of not you know not where do I want to be in ten years yes, that's the fun thing to fantasize about but but what do I need to be doing this year um this month this week yeah to to eventually end up there and you can't you can't trust yourself solely to, to, to know those things. Um, and just so you guys know, I mean, I, you know, I, I have this sort of inner circle of advisors in my own life. Um, I have people that sometimes I'm paying, sometimes I try to pay them and they refuse my payment. Um, that, you know, once or twice a year, I will just kind of open up everything to them and say, you know, here it is. Here's what's, here's what I think is going well. Here's what I think is going poorly, but, but you guys rip it apart and try to set up a plan for me. Um, it feels, it feels like you're, you're giving me permission to get help. And I really appreciate that because sometimes it can feel like, you know, it's, um, it's a negative quality or thing to, um, to have to reach out to someone and say, tell me what to do here. You know, no, I'm just going to, I got to power through it and figure it out and, you know, stay up all night and just, you know, th- those are the marks of, of a successful person. And, and you're kind of saying that, um, you know, actually it's the opposite, you know, it's, it's okay. Oh, dude. And if it's someone that cares about you, you're giving them a gift. Yeah. Meaning, you know, like if you and I were good buddies and you were like struggling with your Dunning thing and you were like, Hey, I remember you mentioning like you learned some stuff about that thing. You're giving me a gift because it's like finally I'm able to like talk to someone about this stupid thing my wife doesn't want to hear anything about. <laughs> um, you know, you're you're allowing someone to kind of pass on their, their their little sliver of knowledge to you, and assuming it's someone that is invested in you and there's some relationship there. Um, or I mean, that's why you got to pay a coach is because there's no relationship there. It's not right. Like, you know, there's there's a personal friendship there, so there's there's another form of equity in the form of money, um, versus the 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 equity of of time or friendship or trust or or whatever. But however you got to get there, um, you know, in the instances I've been able to 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 guide someone or give them a piece of advice or whatever, be they a personal friend, 
where there was there was no formal equity or or uh, things exchanged or a, a coaching relationship. Um, it's not only good for you, but it's an honor for me. It it, it is. Yeah. Um, it's an honor to be able to to pass that on and um, and hopefully you go out and and do something good with it. Um, yeah. But but if you don't, it's your fault. <laughs> and if you do, and if you do, it's your fault. Like yeah. I can't take credit for that. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I, I do get that. I. I. I have two questions left for you because I, I do appreciate your time. Um, this has been great, man. But the first one is you mentioned the baby step plan and how do you balance the 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 the, the immediate steps that you need to be taking in your business and also keep in view the big picture thinking, you know, the type of thinking that's actually going to get you somewhere, you know, like you've got to be able to do both of those things. And I, I find it very hard. I'm either all in the one or all in the other. And, and both of them, you know, both of those strategies tend to get me nowhere, you know? Yeah. So again, I'm most of the time I'm bad at this. Um, but what I've tried to do is, um, you know, particularly now, you know, the business is going well, I'm married, we got kids, um, like a, a big kind of epiphany for me in 2015 is I have to be intentional, not accidental. Yeah. Meaning, you know, it's like, oh, you know, twice a year I should kind of take a full day and do vision and big picture and strategy and like, uh, are things headed in the right direction? Do I like the direction things are headed in? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that feels something, that that kind of thing feels so stupid to put yeah. in your Google calendar. Oh, vision day. Someone's going to see that. And then they really don't think I have a real job, <laughs> you know, but it's, yeah. but if, if you don't plan for it, just everything else is going to fill it in. So to me, those, to me, that's like a, that's like a health checkup. Yeah. It's something that that I need to put in the calendar. It needs to be on repeat for once a year or twice a year or whatever's appropriate for you. Um, and I just need there needs to be sacred, dedicated time for it where, you know, that Wednesday, April 15th, like if I sit around and think about vision and strategy and what's going well and what's not and are we heading in the right direction, that means that day was a success. Yeah. Um, so, because it, here's a dude, I, I've had to learn this. I'm learning, like I'm right in the middle of this fire, by the way. Um, I have had to learn that no one, I cannot hire the smartest person on the planet to figure out what my vision is for my life or my business. Yeah. Like, I don't care how smart or clever they are. Like, that is my job. That is my responsibility. Like, I have to answer those selfish and selfless questions of what kind of business do I want? What kind of customers do I want to serve? What kind of customers do I not want to serve? Yeah. Those sorts of things. Um, but then the good news is once you figure out what the heck you want to do, now you can circle up a couple people to help you with the baby steps. Yeah. Be, you know, cause, cause it's like, cause the first thing I say is well, what the heck do you want to do? Well, I can't, I, this is your life. This is your business. I can't, I can't, you know, I may try to force something on you because because yeah. it's worked for me or because I like it, but that doesn't matter. Like, is this really what you want to do? And and then if it is, well, all right. Well, now we can cause some trouble together. Yeah. Now we can, 
implement a game plan and then you're going to have to be disciplined enough to hold yourself to it or to have some people that are holding you to it. Um, but then you can kind of circle up those group, those groups of people who have, uh, you know, accomplished things uh, substantial enough that, that you know they can kind of look over their shoulder and say, you know, here are the first steps, here are kind of the next uh, period of steps, those sorts of things. That's really great advice, man, because you're, you're right. I mean, I, I do tend to kind of have this aversion to tactics because, I don't know, I feel like there's just so much of that and I get tired of tactics and and just want to, you know, like you said about the what do you do, you know, just talk to someone about what what is what's it really like running their business and don't give me the webinar version to, to sell your <laughs> thing. But um, but it, I can go too far with that and, and, and not, you know, tactics and actual, you know, practical help uh, in, in, in launching a business or, or planning it. You know, it's important. And, um, you know, so I, I yeah, I definitely agree with you there. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you was what would you tell a uh, 17-year-old Josh who is trying to do this thing and is doing it alone and is just starting and, and has all those fears and all those self-doubts and isn't in the 80% anywhere near there yet, you know? Because um, I feel like a lot of us are are there. A lot of people listening to this show are there. So what, what, what would you tell 17-year-old Josh to either encourage him or what advice would you give? Yeah, well, to be honest, I'm, I'm fearful he wouldn't listen. That's, you know, that, that, that would be my honest yeah. concern. But the, you know, the job of the, I guess the mentor is not to worry or take ownership of implementation. Uh, that's ultimately on us. But what I wish I could have figured out sooner was just, I mean, a lot of what we've talked about today of just humiliate yourself in front of a handful of people and, and you won't look like an idiot in front of the bigger group of people. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll be ready. You'll, you'll have worked out, you know, some of the personal, not worked them out, but you'll at least have a healthy perspective on them. You'll you'll have the right heart and intent and vision, which is so much what you're about, Adam. But then you'll also have the strategy and the steps in place to make sure that your pure, good idea actually has a shot of of living and of moving forward. Yeah. Um, that's what I wish I could have gotten to sooner. And uh, what was standing in the way of that was my ego, my pride, also this, the very thing that that helped me survive the foster care system. And, And by the way, oftentimes the very thing that has helped us survive the difficulties in our life later become a hindrance. Because yeah. my stubbornness, my relentlessness, my thick skin, my unattachment to anybody and anything and any outcome was the very reason I survived the foster care system. That I didn't end up, you know, in jail or suicidal or, or, or whatever. Yeah. But then later, when the game name of the game is no longer survival but improvement and progress, 
that became my greatest hindrance because it was those very things that did not allow me to let people in, did not allow me to expose my vulnerabilities, my weaknesses, the things that weren't going well. Yeah. Um, you know, that was what was standing in the way. So to, to let those people in sooner or to get clarity on what's going on here sooner, um, would have been the greatest thing for me. And, and I imagine a really great thing for, for many others as well. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and, and do this. I know you're a busy guy and, um, but this was great. I, I, I feel like, uh, another, another episode of Adam's personal therapy hour has been completed. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll send, I'll send you an invoice. Right. Exactly. No, but seriously, thanks, Josh. I, I do appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, you're welcome, man. All right. Well, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for that, Josh. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Hope to talk to you again sometime. What a great conversation. Hope you were inspired and encouraged like I was. I got to say another big thank you to Fizzle. Uh, They've just been the best sponsor I've ever had. And I'm happy that so many of you have taken part in this and joined me over in Fizzle. And it's great. Uh, I hope that you take advantage of it, too. If you go to fizzle.co slash TGM, you can still get your six-week free trial and check out the longer conversation that Chase had with Josh, and it's a video interview in that case, and uh, you get more of where this came from. So go check that out. Also, uh, follow along on Twitter, Facebook. I'm A.V. Clark on Twitter, or the show is TGM Podcast on Twitter. You can follow along there if you'd like. And we've got a lot of great episodes coming up, folks, and a lot of great past episodes. This is already episode 37, so there's a lot of great stuff there. If you want to, go to thegentlymad.com, and you can check it all out. So, as I said, thank you so much for listening and for your support of this show. It means a lot to me, and I will see you next time. I don't know, I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at?